Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, we're discussing Stoicism, an ancient philosophy for modern healing. Hello, y'all. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about Stoicism to give you a lens for healing. Stoicism is an ancient school of philosophy that originated in Athens, Greece, about 2,400 years ago. Central to Stoicism is the belief that life's events are determined by fate and are beyond our control. But individuals can control their responses to these events by cultivating inner virtue, wisdom, and rationality. A common element of Stoic philosophy is emotional resilience and detachment. Long-term listeners, you've heard me talk about these tools a lot. These are our tools. Emotional resilience and detachment are tools in the face of external events that are out of our control, aiming for inner calm and serenity by focusing on what we can control and accepting what we cannot. I am a proud Stoic. My grandparents raised me with some Stoic principles long before I knew about Stoicism. The older I get, the more grateful I am for that foundation. This philosophy teaches that by understanding the natural order of the universe and recognizing the difference between our internal and external experiences, we can lead a life full of merit, morality, and fulfillment, regardless of external circumstances, regardless of what we can't control. Today, I'm going to examine some of the core principles of Stoicism and how they relate to mental health, high sensitivity, and what we can learn from them as healing tools. So here are some basic principles of Stoicism. Dichotomy of control. Now, dichotomy is just a fancy word, y'all, for a division, a contrast. So there's a contrast of control. Understanding what is within our control versus what is not is where we find our freedom. The importance of focusing on our internal responses, not reactions, but responses, is very, very important, very worthwhile to focus on because truly, rationally, 
what in the hell else do you think you're going to control if not your internal self, your responses to life, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Here are the four cardinal virtues of Stoicism. Wisdom, courage, justice, and temperance. Now, wisdom is the ability to judge correctly and live properly. I've got an episode coming out soon where I'm going to talk about judgment. Because to look online, to read books in spirituality or psychology in the modern era is to think that judgment is entirely wrong. Negative, nasty, harsh judgment, sure. But the ability to judge correctly, appropriately, and make choices out of those judgments that we are forced to make moment to moment to moment is part of how we take care of ourselves as people, part of how we navigate all of the contrast in the world. The next cardinal virtue is courage. Now you have courage. You might not feel courageous right now in this moment, but you have courage or you wouldn't have gotten all the way to here. Courage is a feeling. It is an idea. It is something that we feel after we show up for ourselves. When we face life's challenges with bravery, we might be scared as all hell. And after we face life's challenges, only after is when we feel the surge of courage, not before. Justice, another cardinal virtue of Stoicism, justice is treating others fairly and with kindness. That's an interesting way to think about justice, isn't it? I think very often in modern life, we associate justice with punitive punishment, slap on the wrist. Instead of treating others fairly and with kindness, what is just? Temperance, the last cardinal virtue. This is practicing moderation and self-control. I would say in our American culture, I don't know that we're very temperate. I don't know that practicing moderation is an American value at this point. Moderation and self-control are increasingly important in our modern era. We have phones, little computers connected to the entire world that are in our pockets that we are on all day long. There's pornography out there, alcohol, all kinds of things that invite us to be out of moderation, to be out of self-control. Scrolling on your phone might seem like an easy thing to not put a lot of effort into thinking about But that has a very big impact on our quality of life, on the amount of time that we are just burning away as we scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. How are we to meet our goals? How are we to feel fulfilled if we don't honor this virtue of temperance, temperance in food, sex, scrolling, television? I'm even hearing from some of my clients that neurologists are telling them to stop listening to podcasts sped up because their brains can't take in any more information. They are having selective hearing where their hearing turns off. There's no problem with the hardware in their ears. It's about our brains saying, enough, no more. I can't take any more information in. Wisdom, courage, 
justice, and temperance. These are the four cardinal virtues of Stoicism. One of the ideas of Stoicism is to honor nature and the universe. This is about not fighting what we can't control. Nature, the universe is beyond me. I don't control them, but I live within these dynamics, within these elements. Living according to nature and accepting fate, in more practical terms, this implies living virtuously, understanding our role in the larger cosmic order. Where do we fit? What do we do? How do we show up for ourselves and this larger universe? Living according to nature, accepting fate, means accepting the natural course of events without unnecessary resistance. This doesn't mean passive resignation, but rather recognizing that many external events are just beyond our control, y'all. While we cannot always control what happens to us, we can control how we respond. That's our power. And when we exert this control over ourselves in our response, we align ourselves with the natural flow of the universe. Many of you out there would sit with me and say, Nikki, I just want to flow more. This is how, y'all. We can't flow if we're fighting what we can't control. Another concept of stoicism that I just adore is the interconnectedness of all things. Stoics hold that everything in the universe is interconnected and interdependent. This web of connections implies a sense of unity, a sense of oneness. Recognizing this interconnectedness can lead to feelings of kinship, connection with all of humanity and even with nature itself. This is a very important concept to me in working with highly sensitive people and survivors because we are living through what I'm calling the great loneliness. We are more disconnected despite the advances in technology over the last 20 years than ever before in human history. Loneliness is pushing depression and suicidal ideation and suicidal act. We are deeply, deeply lonely. Giving energy to this idea from Stoicism, this belief system, helps me feel connected in my dark moments. It helps me feel a part of, an important part of. And when we feel a part of, when we feel important, an important cog in the wheel of this life, this universe, we can't hurt ourselves. We can't harm ourselves. We certainly cannot kill ourselves. If you come to the live streams on Patreon, I'm often offering a meditative moment that we share together. Often what I'm commenting on is this very interconnectedness, even though I rarely name it as such. I will ask the people that are there live and the people that will come later to watch the archive material to put a hand on the heart and a hand on the belly and to feel connected to one another. The only reason to resist that is old wounds not becoming vulnerable, having walls up, walls without doors, walls without windows. What starts as a, what begins as an attempt at a boundary to keep the bad things of life out winds up walling us in. 
if we're keeping all the bad things out, the sad consequence is that we also are keeping the good things out too. It's powerful to allow yourself, to give yourself permission to feel connected, to trust that you are a part of, and to allow yourself, because it is an allowing, to feel a part of in some of our loneliest moments on this human plane. Here are some stoic practices and exercises for you to live this philosophy. I don't expect you in this episode or any episode to just believe what I'm saying. What's available to you is to experiment, to practice, and to see what these concepts in this episode and everything that I offer and anything anybody offers you, what do these things do for your life? Do they help you feel lighter or heavier, more effective or more overwhelmed? Does it help you make sense or bring confusion? So here are stoic practices and exercises to play with. Morning reflection. A stoic will start each day with a moment of contemplation and setting intentions for the day. To the thousands of you out there who have downloaded our morning routine, you're probably having an ah connection of what I offer you there. It's most certainly from stoicism. Part of our morning routine is that we set an intention for the day. That we sit with ourselves for a moment upon waking instead of going immediately to scrolling, scrolling, scrolling on our phones or checking our emails or hitting the ground, running to take care of ourselves and our families. Journaling. At the end of the day, you can reflect on your actions, your thoughts and feelings. Mindfulness is simply living life as if a little birdie sits on your shoulder, just watching observing, noticing, we reflect as Stoics. Because how do we learn if we don't reflect? Where do we put everything that we've picked up throughout our day, throughout the experience of this life, if we don't reflect on it? And with great intention, let go and learn to take the learning with us and let go of the weight. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Here's another one that might shock you when you first hear me say it. Practice negative visualization. I can hear some of you. What are you talking about, Nikki? No, you don't negatively visualize. That might sound like it's against law of attraction at first. If you spend a few moments imagining worst case scenarios or the loss of things you value, this is an exercise that can help us appreciate what we have and actually, paradoxically, reduce our anxiety about potential losses. 
So longtime listeners, you know, Gusto is our mascot of emotional badass. My husband and I, Chris, who produces the show, we are child-free people. Gusto, the standard poodle, he is our baby guy. Of course, no part of me wants to think about losing him ever. But when I do, when I go through this exercise, when I practice negative visualization, I get over that first initial hump where some part of me goes, no, don't look at that. It's terrible. And as I lean in and sit with myself with the truth and the reality that I'm going to outlive my sweet baby guy, Gusto, and I am likely going to shepherd him through his last moments, that sadness that comes up, it's proof of my love. It's proof of my connection. And in the next moment, it makes me go hug him, appreciate him, love him, value him. To squeeze the juice out of our time together for this one precious life. We spend so much time as highly sensitive people, sometimes trying to avoid the worst case scenario or what is hard. Or we look at the worst case scenario and we get lost in it because no one ever taught us what to do with that awareness. I hope this share shows you that you look, you feel, and then you take your wisdom to live the very best life that you can live in this moment and then in the next moment and then in the next moment and then in the next moment. And that reduces our anxiety because we're being real with ourselves. If I tell myself, now I might joke about it, but if I seriously tell myself that my sweet gusto is going to live forever, I am lying to me. I am lying to my inner child and I'm not helping myself ground in the reality that despite not wanting that worst case scenario, that deep sadness moment that is for sure coming in my life, that I can handle it. And the more I look at that and deal with that truth, the more I value what I do have. It is so American. It is so Western to be borderline obsessed with everything we don't have, everything that could go wrong. What if we start actually using that awareness to help us live our best life instead of feeling mired down by it? Here's another one. Voluntary discomfort. Now, I could hear you sensitive people out there. No, Nikki, no. Why would I voluntarily reach for discomfort? Well, let's break it down. We want to periodically undergo challenges to foster resilience. Now, this happens at every single level of being a human. In my years as a yoga teacher, what I knew was that the strain, the stress, the discomfort, not harm, but the discomfort, not trauma, but the discomfort it makes our bones stronger. It makes our muscles stronger. The more pressure our bones have, the more weight our bones lift, the stronger they get. That discomfort of going to the gym and having a sometimes very uncomfortable workout is fostering resilience and strength in your body. It is showing your physicality and your emotionality how resilient you are how much you can take on in this life and overcome. 
We do that moment to moment when we face challenges in our day. We've been doing this show for getting closer and closer to six years now. We have never, ever missed a weekly release. That has not always been easy. I've had personal challenges there. Chris has had personal challenges. We've had equipment that wouldn't cooperate in the moment we wanted it to do the thing it's supposed to do. And yet we've pushed through. The accomplishment of pushing through despite the challenges, of meeting those goals and not letting discomfort shut us down. Where are you avoiding discomfort in your life that would actually grow you? That's very different than avoiding re-traumatization, avoiding harm. And if you genuinely don't really know the difference between when you're avoiding growth discomfort versus avoiding future trauma, that is a distinction to lean into. Look back at the whole scope of humanity, y'all. Despite how we might feel very fragile in a moment, especially when life has hit us with wave after wave after wave after wave of challenge or stress or just human unfairness before we can even get our feet underneath our bodies to hold ourselves up again. But look back at all of humanity and your own life. Humans were made for tough things and you were part of that lineage. If I controlled all things in the universe, a little game I like to play sometimes, people would know the wisdom of leaning into challenge instead of leaning into victimhood. You were made for hard things, I promise you. I was too, even in the moments when I have hated the truth of that. Dichotomy of control. We talked about this earlier in the episode. Here's how to practice this in your life. Regularly remind yourself of what's within your control and what isn't. Now, that seems pretty simple, right? But a lot in our modern life tells us to try to control things that we can't control. I hear and see that in a lot of political discourse across the board. That if you're a good person, you better try to control things that you really can't control, which makes people angry. It's irrational. It's not real. It's not possible. It's not attainable. We are going to feel frustrated as human beings if we are trying to go after things that aren't real and aren't attainable. So focus your energy and attention on things you can influence and accept what you can't change. And that might be the struggle point there. That our inner adolescent goes, no, Nikki, I don't want to accept what I can't change. I get that. That makes sense. But here's the secret. When you accept what you can't change, you stop burning up and wasting your energy on what you can't change, and you start using your energy for what you actually can affect. And when you do so, you feel better because you're actually empowering your own life, your own world, your own communities. Instead of these things we can't control on the other side of the world, or these concepts that are so big, we really can only do our part, no more and no less. So when we get real with ourselves, we get real with ourselves. And the truth sets us free. Mindful response is something that we can practice, y'all. 
mindful response. This isn't reaction. And we are living, breathing creatures. That's part of what self-development is doing for us and why we're drawn to it. Because those of us with insight and big giant hearts, high empathy, we are rightly so uncomfortable in an achy way when we react and it's not from our higher self. It's not our higher thinking. It's not well thought out. It is a pure reaction. We can cultivate space instead of just giving in and accidentally practicing what really doesn't serve us, which is instant reaction. So we practice a pause. And that might sound even more simple and easier to throw away, like taking a breath. But that's a powerful practice too. This is powerful to pause and consider. And here's the deep, sad truth of this. I had to face this. In my family of origin, I did not see, because of the level of dysfunction I grew up in, I did not see a lot of pause and consideration put into a response. I saw a lot of reaction. I saw a lot of pure, raw, emotional, inner child, inner adolescent, level 12 on a scale of 10, reaction. I had to acknowledge that to myself during my healing. Had to. Why? Because I hadn't had true response modeled very often. This acknowledgement helped me understand what it was I was trying to learn to better my life, to better myself, to better my own feelings of self-respect and self-regard. Because I want to see myself acting from my higher self, my highest good, my greatest good. Not the lowest part of my humanity, not the most reactive reaction, this system that is part human, part spiritual can come up with. So we learn to pause and consider and then respond. We don't need impulsive emotionality as we seek deeper truths about ourselves and the world. What a beautiful gift to give yourself if you didn't have this modeled as a child. Mindful responsiveness. It's all part of slowing down and giving ourselves space to allow our higher self to respond. Empathy and understanding, y'all. If you're a listener of this show, I have to believe you have more than your fair share of empathy. I'm a believer that when you understand yourself, it brings peace so often, highly sensitive people, survivors, want to give empathy away. They want to give understanding to other people. And that's beautiful. It's lovely. Sure, it can be overdone in a codependent way, but it's beautiful. It's just that highly sensitive people and survivors tend to want to give all of that away. You get to have some empathy and understanding for you, too. When we are living through the lenses of empathy and understanding... Really, we almost cannot take things personally. We remember that others are also guided by their judgments, their perceptions, their reactions, especially if they're not doing work like this, listening to podcasts like this, reading books about self-development and betterment and letting go of our childhood struggles, healing ourselves. You get to practice, and it is a practice, y'all. 
what once was very hard for me to do is now so beautifully simple. You can make your not taking things personally muscles very strong. And you can strive for understanding and compassion, particularly when you are in disagreement with someone else. This is discernment. Look for this upcoming episode I'm doing soon to dive more deeply into discernment. This is a Latin phrase. Memento mori. M-O-R-I. Memento mori. It means remember the impermanence of life. This Latin phrase, memento mori, it means remember you must die. That's not subtle, right? There it is. No beating around the bush here. What a truth that modern society has somewhere along the way decided we're just going to pretend like this isn't real. This isn't meant to be morbid, but rather a reminder to value the time you have and focus on what truly matters. Now, Teal Swan, many years ago, she's a spiritualist. Many years ago, she got in a lot of trouble with mental health people. And I have not worked with her. I don't know her personally. I'd very much be open to interviewing her. But she had a technique that I can get behind. But, ooh, mental health did not like this from her and gave her hell over it. She basically was telling people who had lots of suicidal ideation to basically stop screwing around with it because it becomes this romanticized dance partner when we are depressed, when we're down, and we dance with it and we dance with it and we dance with it. Maybe I'll kill myself. I should kill myself. I can't go on any longer. And we dance with it. This is a bad dance partner, y'all. Now I'm summarizing. I don't want to butcher up somebody else's technique. But to my understanding, Teal Swan would basically say, all right, pretend like you did it. Lay down. You did it. Lay down on the ground. You did it. Done. Now what? Now what are you going to do? Because you're gone. You can't live any more life. I wonder if Teal knows she's really using the stoicism concept. It's about facing that. And once we face it and stop dancing around with this very sick dance partner, we realize, no, I don't want that. No matter what I'm going through, I don't want that. It's about facing the preciousness of your life. Memento mori. In Latin, it means remember you must die. And that is not morbid. That is a truth that helps us honor each moment, each day, with so much more respect than dancing with suicidal ideation will ever allow. Mindfulness and meditation. Now, these are almost words that have lost meaning. We say them so much in self-development, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know I'm supposed to be mindful. I know I'm supposed to meditate. They're almost like, yeah, I feel good, fine, or okay. And those words don't mean anything anymore. So really look at mindfulness and meditation with fresh eyes here. Remember what these concepts that can be so basic if we've been around these words, this language for a long time. But remember what these things are. Mindful. I don't want to be mindless. I want to be mindful. And meditation is a gift. It is a tool for me to use to cultivate presence and awareness. 
if I'm not cultivating presence and awareness in this one precious life, what am I doing moment to moment? Cultivating what? Chaos? Drama? Mindlessness? Boo to all of that. Mindfulness and meditation as a practice, as a lifestyle, this can help in observing and controlling impulsive thoughts and reactions. And remember, this is not about getting something like mindfulness or meditation A plus 100 perfect. This is about bringing yourself to this healthiness, these healthful offerings again and again and again and again and again and again as life brings us its struggle, its chaos, the roller coaster of its beautiful highs and its low lows and everything in between. Here's another stoic belief that you can practice to get your mental and emotional muscles strong. Challenge your irrational beliefs. Challenge the hell out of them. Don't let them grab hold. When you're facing a negative emotion, ask yourself if they stem from irrational beliefs. Challenge those beliefs. Replace them with more rational and constructive thoughts. Here's a little cheat code. Every should you are operating under is an irrational belief. There should be more time in the day. Yeah, guess what? There isn't. Everyone should be paid more. Yep, they're paid what they're paid. No child should go hungry. We can all get behind that. And yet children go hungry every day. So do adults. Our shoulds are the things that we wish instead of what is. Shift to could instead of should. I should have a better job is very different than I could get a better job. How could I offers you a path to what you want? How could I feed some hungry kids today? Gives you a path. It gives you a road. When we should, we really should on ourselves and we should all over everything else too. And yep, it feels how it sounds. Your empowerment, what you can control, is how may I, how can I, how could I for forward motion instead of stuckness. All right, how about gratitude? It's a word I suspect listeners of Emotional Badass know very well, gratitude. We want our gratitude to really be a habit, and we can make it a habit. You hear the power in that? The self-advocacy, the self-efficacy, make it a habit, gratitude. You can habitually, until it becomes second nature, with great intention, you can acknowledge and be grateful for the positive aspects of your life, however big or small. This can help shift focus from what you lack to what you have, to what you already possess. And when I say big or small, I cannot be more serious about the small. There have been moments in my life where all I could be grateful for was, well, I woke up and my body took a breath and I guess my feet work when I swing them over the bed and they will take me into the bathroom where this body eliminates what it's supposed to eliminate. And I am grateful for that. We can start so small. I'm so grateful I have a toothbrush and can brush and take care of my teeth. I am so grateful I can brush my hair and wash my face and my body. 
I am so grateful I have a roof over my head or a car with four wheels that can take me from point A to point B. You are in charge of spending time with your mind in terms of everything you don't have yet or everything you do have going for you right now. And that also helps you be present in this moment instead of coveting. Here are some stoic quotes to ponder. Seneca said, We suffer more often in imagination than in reality. It's a powerful one to sit with. Is that true for you? Do you imagine your suffering? It's a strange thing for a human to do, isn't it? That's kind of the deal with our psychology, y'all. It's a strange beast sometimes. It's not a logical creature. Many sensitive people will imagine through their own suffering and stay with suffering in a twisted attempt to be in control. If I make myself suffer, nobody can show up and blindside me and bring me pain and hurt and suffering. So therefore, I'll just live with making myself suffer. Ew. We can do so much better for ourselves than that. Marcus Aurelius said, the obstacle is the way. Probably the most famous Stoic quote, the obstacle is the way. Notice the parts of yourself that want to avoid, circumvent, retreat from the obstacle. What would it be like to invite this Stoic mindset that looks at that obstacle and decides, how do I get over you? Do I climb over you? Do I bust through you? What will this obstacle show me about myself? Another from Seneca, it's not the man who has too little, but the man who craves more that is poor. This is a comment on our modern society that just astounds me. We have such a society of more, more, more stuff, stuff, stuff. It's why we have TV shows like Hoarders. It is not the man who has too little, but the man who craves more that is poor. This quote is about finding satisfaction. This quote is about being present and grateful for what we have and not desperately reaching and reaching and reaching in a way that takes us out and away from our presence our groundedness, and our connection to each other, which is so much more important than the stuff of modern life. We can see that people who are addicted to a level of stuff accumulation are having mental health struggle. It is not the man who has too little, but the man who craves more that is poor. Where are you with what you crave? Are these cravings healthy or hurtful? What would it be like to both crave more and practice satisfaction? Here's a Marcus Aurelius quote. If it is not right, do not do it. If it is not true, do not say it. Sensitive people, my goodness, are we a tribe of overthinkers? What happens if you allow yourself to simply live by this quote? If I sit with this quote, I have to admit to myself This quote holds water. It's very true. And we try to overcomplicate things to dance around 
this simplicity. If it is not right, don't do it. If it is not true, don't say it. Imagine if all politicians across the world that worked in all governments across the world lived by this quote. How different would our world be? If it is not right, do not do it. If it is not true, do not say it. Epictetus, he said, don't explain your philosophy. Embody it. I'm almost three quarters of the way through teaching the boundaries course this year. And next year in 2024, I'm taking a break off from teaching it. I think this is why I love being with a group of people learning and growing and seeking. Because I get to show it. I get to share it. I get to embody it. There's a piece that we feel as a highly sensitive person who is practicing what they preach, living by their own principles. There's so much nastiness and advocacy now because so many people are screaming their principles at other people instead of embodying, inspiring, impressing people toward their change. We don't shame people towards change. You will influence so many more people in your small world or the bigger world, whatever you want for yourself there. When you live a life that embodies, instead of just trying to tell everybody your philosophy. This quote feels almost sisterly to me, to the quote, be the change you wish to see in the world. It's not about telling everybody to change. It's about you embodying the change. If you want to take this topic a little further and do some stoic reading Highly recommend Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's considered one of the world's greatest works of philosophy. Letters from a Stoic is another work by Seneca. I love the quotiness of Stoicism. For many years of my life, I would have little Stoic quotes on post-its, maybe in my car, maybe in my office, on my fridge, in my bathroom. At first, when we practice new things, it feels awkward. It feels strange. It feels weird. Rightly so. It's new. It's different. Maybe different than anything we've ever seen in our families. Ways of being our inner child had no idea were possible and available. I promise you with practice, these philosophies, these ways of being, this human wisdom, it's not just stuff you practice. It becomes who you are. I want to thank our Patreon producers of the show. Thank you so much for supporting me and my team and coming to congregate in what I think of as the healthiest little corner of the internet, our emotional badass Patreon. I love how y'all use Patreon. You come show up to find the nuanced support that you know you need when you know you need it. This is a group of people who are walking the planet individually and together in the way we get to come together through this crazy technology we call the internet. It's a group of people who are moving their hearts, their minds, their emotional knowledge base forward in healing expansion. I am a big believer that we heal the world one person at a time and we start with ourselves. Here's how Patreon works, y'all. It's a crowdfunding platform. 
where we keep tons of exclusive content for you to access. We have episodes and we have uh, visual graphics that pair with some of the content that we put out there. So you can hear these messages and see these messages. The content on Patreon is exclusive and it's not available anywhere else. Patreon is also offering a new free trial feature. So you can come check it out before you officially join. Patreon.com slash emotional badass. At the $2 a month level, you get access to all the monthly episode discussions, the polls, and the exclusive wellness graphics that we create just for our listeners. At the $5 a month level, you get 70 exclusive commercial-free episodes and a new one every month. And you get all the previous rewards. At the $10 a month level, our most popular level, there's more than 70 hours of exclusive live stream videos and access to the monthly live streams where you can ask questions and have them answered by me right there on the live stream. You get all the rewards from the previous levels every level up you go. The next live stream happens this Thursday night, November 16th. Come participate, y'all. It's about managing expectations. There's still time to sign up and submit a question. The December live stream topic is enoughness and the good enough principle. If you're a super fan of Emotional Badass, we have a $20 per month level where you get behind the scenes content and all the previous rewards I just discussed. Sometimes I'll just upload a little video telling you what's going on in my mind behind the scenes. To come sign up for your free trial to check us out at Patreon, come to patreon.com slash emotional badass. One of the other things that you get when you sign up and support us on Patreon and become a member is you get a shout out right here on the big public feed. So I want to give a big shout out to our new patrons. Thank you so much, Susan and Sarah and Kitty Gal. Yes, we let you tell us how you want your shout out. Thank you, Kate and Chris. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Lonesome Dog. Thank you, Terrence, Deborah, and Ashley. To all of you who are out there listening, if there is any episode that has helped you or that you think would help someone else, thank you so much for being part of our marketing team, part of our sharing team. Y'all have spread this podcast truly all over the world. I hope in every episode, what I'm modeling for you, what I am attempting to give you is a belief that you can heal You can feel whole, grounded. You can learn to respond to this life instead of react. And you can love yourself so deeply and fully that you can't help but take the very best care of yourself. We are very proud to be part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Please visit airwavemedia.com and peruse all all of the amazing shows that they have for you. Check out some of their other great shows. Light and love. Y'all, I am an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I will see y'all on the Patreon and I will see y'all right here next time for a brand new episode. Bye-bye.
at a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment.